Okay. Hi there. I'm Bob Lennon, president of Thermwood Canada, and I'm here as a host on the SME Story Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey everybody, thanks for on the show. We got a great episode today with Bob Lennon. Bob Lennon is the owner and operator of Thermalwood Canada. Now, Thermalwood Canada is a manufacturing plant which specializes in thermally modifying any species of wood using a heat and steam system that requires zero chemical additives. Located in Bathurst, New Brunswick, Thermalwood Canada is a family-owned business who prides themselves on processing any species of wood with a, spe- with a specialty in hardwoods. This heating process essentially cooks the wood, improving its resistance to decay and creating a uniform dark coloration throughout the thickness of the lumber. This allows wood like maple, birch, ash, oak, and other hardwoods, which are normally used for indoor projects, to be modified for outdoor applications like siding, paneling, and decking. Thermal Wood Canada also works with guitar manufacturers. The thermal modifying process creates humidity-resistant bodies and necks that produces stability. Now, this allows musicians the ease of playing without retuning their guitar every 15 to 20 minutes. The unique tone replaces 20 to 35 years of natural air drying to give the guitars a vintage sound. They also work with architects, designers, contractors, and users to find a thermally modified option that best suits their needs. Bob also has created a video series called the Northern Heat Report as a way to sit down and create important dialogue with some of the region's best and brightest leaders. The term Northern Heat best describes their approach to business and life. So we got a great episode today with Bob and he's going to probably give us a lot of great stories. So sit back and absorb. And so, all right, guys, we have Bob Lennon from Thermalwood Canada. Bob, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today. How about yourself? Well, let's see. It's it's we're recording on a Monday, and it's really gloomy here in Ajax, Ontario. And uh, how is the weather in New Brunswick right now? Well, we had uh, on Friday, we were up to about 35 degrees and hot and muggy. The same thing on Saturday. Yesterday, it uh, started to cool down a little bit. And this morning, it got up and it was 16 degrees. So uh, we're all over the map. Yes. And it's, it's very weird like that, too, because I think here in Canada as well, like especially in Ontario, you know, we did have like the really hot weather you know, Saturday and even a little bit of Sunday yesterday eased up a little bit, but uh, we're getting rain this week, which is good because I'm actually starting to garden now. And I've never thought I would ever garden. Uh, and I'll make the story really quick. When I was in my mid twenties, I used to work at a, at a consulting firm, a big, big one of these big consulting firms, and I got along with my coworkers really well. Like they were really smart. We were joking around about a lot of things. But the only thing I couldn't really relate to is that they, when they started talking about like, you know, grass seeds, tomato plants. And stuff like that, I would just, that just go like right over my head, right? Because I couldn't relate to it. But now, not even twenty years later, I'm here in like my like early forties, and I'm like, I'm thinking, what's the best fertilizer? What's the best compost? And how are we supposed to make my lawn look good? Or and now in that case, I'm actually trying to grow vegetables in a container, right? Because you know food prices are really high here, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll just grow my own and see how that works. And so far, the wife and kids have been supportive. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But aside from that, we're not here to talk about gardening unless the listeners actually want a gardening channel, which I cannot add, which I can pretty much guarantee a, a maximum episode of one. Yeah, that's all my knowledge when it comes to that kind of stuff. So perfect. But there we go. So, all right, Thermalwood Canada, what's your story? Well, we started our business in 2008. 
which probably wasn't the best time if we would have had a crystal ball and tried to, uh, you know, really shine it all up and figure out where we're going to go in the future. 2008 would not have been the, uh, the proper startup time because uh, we started in May after three years of putting the whole project together. And uh, so we started in May and by about November, we didn't have a client uh, because the whole uh, economy had, uh, had dropped and, and everything was, uh, was gone. So just to give you an idea of what we do is that the technology that we operate is a technology that was born in uh, Europe and it's come over here. So it's a new technology in an old mature market. And the old mature market I'm talking about is the wood industry. So we actually treat uh, wood in a very environmentally friendly way. So wood that uh, you normally buy at your Home Depot, that would be what we call pressure treated lumber, uh, is infused with a number of different chemicals to stop it from, uh, from rotting. And so that's what you put outside. In our process, all we use is heat and steam. So environmentally friendly, there's no chemical additives whatsoever, but we can take um, hardwoods that were predominantly uh, targeted towards markets like uh, uh, furniture and flooring and all interior uh, products. And now we can put those things outside. So we, uh, we've got four basic uh, revenue streams. One of them is the uh, residential commercial market. So the envelope of the house, uh, the decking, the siding, uh, interior, exterior, so wall paneling, flooring, uh, ceilings, uh, soffits, countertops, anything like that. Because of the process itself, we go up to temperatures on hardwoods up to 200 degrees Celsius, which would be close to four times higher than you would in the conventional kiln. So everybody's heard about kiln-dried wood. Well, a kiln dryer runs at 60 degrees. We go up to 200 degrees. And so what that does, it actually changes the fiber of the wood. It changes the molecular structure of the wood, makes the wood very, very stable. So it doesn't take any humidity from the air, so it doesn't swell or contract. It soaks up water but doesn't release water. It changes color, so a um, most of the wood is white or white-yellowish color, and now it's a brown-rich color, and the grains of the wood really show up making it more look like an exotic wood. And so it's an alternative for using woods that come out of the rainforest. The fact that it's, uh, it's structurally stable and you can put it outside. And on top of that, we've removed all the organic properties. So what we've done is petrified the wood, another way of, of putting it in layman's terms. And so there's no more sugar or organics in the wood uh, for rot to, uh, uh, to occur. And at the same time, bugs don't like it and that kind of stuff. I was about to ask about critters. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I know people have concerns of like whether it's termites or carpenter ants or anything like that. So, so that's, that's very interesting. And then just so for my listeners, well, who may not, who still might be new to the idea of, so you said hardwood. So what's the difference between the hardwood and a softwood? Well, hardwood and softwoods is that, uh, uh, the conifers, which are the softwoods. So spruce, pine, uh, hemlock, dug fir. Those are all softwoods, and those are the trees that you'll find in the forest that keep their greenery all year round. You know, the Christmas trees, right? Those are softwoods. Huh. The hardwoods would be more the leafed type of of uh, of uh, trees, like maples and oaks and ash and and uh, birch. Those are the the hardwoods that are 
used in, in completely different markets. And we've been able to open up different markets with this. Right. And this just even go back there, Bob. So what actually attracted you to getting into, like you said, wood manufacturing and wood treatment and all that sort of stuff, right? Well, that goes a little bit further back in, in, in my <laughs> history uh, because I worked for uh, a, a multinational uh, mining uh, organization and had been there for 33 years in the Bathurst area. So we were in New Brunswick. It was one of the 10 biggest underground zinc mines in the world. And uh, we, uh, we were running out of resources. And the, uh, the mine was uh, uh, scheduled to close in 2008. But the bright engineers that we had figured out how we could get into areas that had been closed off for 20 years. And we were able to go in there and mine out the rest of the resources and really be able to uh, deplenish that mine and not leave anything behind. And we closed in, in, uh, in 2012. But I was one of the senior managers. So the plan was, Bob, you're going to Australia or to New Caledonia. They had all these exotic places for me to go, but they were exotic. They were outside of here. And uh, I love the area. I love the region. And plus, my family told me that I could uh, pursue my career in the mining uh, business, but I had to get my own postal code. They were keeping theirs. So uh <laughs> Love my family, love my kids, love my grandchildren, and I really didn't want to uh, uh, to move away. And so my brother-in-law showed up in about 2005 with a whole armful of samples of wood and dropped them on my kitchen table. And he said, here's the future. And that's really how it started. So I started looking into it, and he wanted me to help him uh, put a business plan together. At the time, I had no intentions of getting into business with him. My plan was, okay, just do some research, help them put the business plan together and see where it goes. But the more I dug into it, the more I realized that, you know what? This, uh, this could be a really interesting uh, uh, industry to be in. It's new. Um, and it was, it's old technology from Europe, but uh, because it had been around since uh, the mid-80s. And here we are, you know, in, in 2005, right? So it's been around for quite a while and, and it had a proven track record, but it was brand spanking new in North America. So the opportunities were huge, massive. And, but there was a lot of challenges because this was a new technology in an old mature market, like I mentioned a while ago. So, you know, you've got to get over those paradigms and those humps and, and be able to, uh, to educate people. And then what didn't help was the uh, the crash of 2008. Yes, where, financial crash, yes. Yeah, because at the time, we were only going to offer the service of thermal modification. So you bring us your wood, we'll, we'll just it for you, we'll give it back to you, and you start developing your own products because of all the advantages that it had to, to get the wood thermally modified. But uh, when the uh, the economic crisis hit, Nobody was ready to start developing products because, um, as your listeners will know, and as you know, to develop a new product is very costly. And so here we were in a dilemma and we had to do like a lot of people had to do during COVID, figure out how to pivot. Uh, the big word being pivoting, right? Yes. I was going to say that was the word of 2020 or 2021 or yeah. Or we're, or we're all in this together. That was the phrase that I, we remember hearing a lot of. So yeah. it's pivoting and we're all in it together. Yeah. But well, we weren't all in it together in 2008, but we're definitely, we had to pivot <laughs> or, or it was going to be the end of us. 
And so um, we kind of sat there, uh, my brother-in-law and I, and said, okay, what do we do? You know, we've got a $3.5 million investment here. It's not like we can walk away from this. And so what do we do? So we decided to start looking at what were some of the products we could manufacture? Which countries could we manufacture in? And we started kind of chasing the money and chasing where the economy was was such that we could kind of target all these niche markets. And uh, that was uh, was the beginning of uh, of a, a new development and a new reengineering of ourselves because we ended up uh, you know going out and purchasing uh, manufacturing equipment because we couldn't ask somebody from Europe to send us wood, right? Yeah, and uh, treat it and send it back. It just didn't make any sense. So right. it was more of the fact we had a lot of, uh, of uh, wood here to, uh, uh, to treat. There were different species than what they had in Europe. And so that's where the focus uh, uh, began. And the target area that we had when we had originally started was eastern Canada and a little bit of the eastern seaboard. Well, in our pivoting, we went. Uh, we raised ourselves up like Google Map and say, well, you know, there's this round ball below us. And so let's just reach out to the world. And that's what we did. We reached out to the world and, and at the same time started developing uh, products and made partnerships with others and and figured out how we could make it work and, and gradually started adding to the assembly line and adding more equipment. And then the more equipment we added, then the more we could offer. And so it just kind of grew from there. And uh, we are now uh, 12 employees. Uh, it's a, a family-run business. My brother-in-law and I are the, uh, the main owners. And uh, my son's here and my wife's here too. And, and uh, my grandchildren come here in the summertime and, and, uh, and help out. So it's, uh, it's turned into uh, uh, a big family business, which I love. Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Well, no, that, that's great. And and uh, although the other, the downside is how hard does it be if you have to fire family members? That's going to be one of the few things that, I mean, the only question that uh, most people would have is, you know, what do you do in that case? I know we're going to hit the tips from the pro and say, how can I fire family? But I don't know if you've had that experience yet, and hopefully you don't. No, I've had it already. My son, oh, uh, yeah? my son when, he, when we first started in 2008, he came and, uh, and uh, worked with us. He was straight out of university uh, and... Uh, book smart, but uh, not uh, uh, practical, uh, didn't know how to apply anything that he had learned in the practical world. And so, you know, I was working two jobs, you know, the mind was still open, I was still doing that. And I was, we're doing a startup. And, and as some people know, startups aren't easy. And you know, you gotta, you gotta work a lot. So uh, uh, many hours, and, and uh, I was hoping that there was 10 days in a week, but there wasn't. And uh so, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of balls in my, uh, my basket and some of them were overflowing and falling out. And I was looking for somebody to pick up those balls that were dropping and he wasn't doing it. And so, uh, um, we were starting to growl at each other and he was still living at home and, and, 
it was just uh, it was turning out that it was going to end up being a, a really bad situation family wise. Mm-hmm. And so after having a chat with my wife about it, uh, my son and I ended up having a discussion one night. And now the joke is because he's been, he came back to us uh, a number of years later and uh, the standing joke now is that I fired you. And he says, no, I quit. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a joke, but um, you know, I told him, I said it was good. Uh, it would be a good thing that uh, he goes and gets experience someplace else. And then uh, comes back at a later date. And he came back about eight years ago now. And I asked him to come back because I needed some help. He came back and, and uh, listen, the, uh, the experience uh, that we've had together has been tremendous. And, and um, I'm talking like a proud father now because the fact is that I always wanted that to happen. But uh, it's, it's not just the fact of firing. It's not hard work. It's, it's very difficult working with family, especially father and son, right? And yeah. so we've both learned that we're both different styles. We do things in a different way. We both have to accept the fact that we do things differently and learn how to figure out where those strengths are and work from there. Yeah, work with everybody's strengths while limit while limiting their weaknesses and certain things. So yeah, put them where they're best to succeed, which is really good to hear. Yeah. So, and I was going to ask you about the employees in terms of how many and you have like twelve, and then that, that's great. And I I make a joke before that uh, my wife Mrs. Cade, like I, my my previous life, I used to be a personal trainer and she was a physiotherapist. And I, some listeners remember this remember the story, but I remember one one uh, I guess family member that said, hey. Why don't you and your? Why don't you guys start your own business? You know, you break them and she heals them. I'm like, that's not a great marketing slogan that I think I want, right? Because you don't want to be the one that breaks somebody. Because then, no, if I break somebody, that means they go to the doctor. And then, if she was a doctor, then maybe, right? But I don't know if you want that as a reputation as a trainer is the one that physically sends people to the hospital yeah. to get fixed because yeah. then no one, you're not, your your client list is going to be very very small, like zero to none. So. And I always to joke too that it's not even just that. I think like it goes back to that whole thing. We have different styles. And I always joke with people like, if I wanted to expedite my divorce, then by all means, then yes, my wife and I will definitely work together. And we both realize that we're too different in that certain respect, that we both get on each other's nerves and we enjoy being married instead versus working together, which is really good. Yeah. But um, yeah. anyway, so a uh, quick question on this one then. So where do you guys source your 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 wood right now? I know like for a lot of people who are worried about the environment, they're worried about, you know, we're running low on trees. You don't have enough trees. And I know like, uh, far, like, Chris, like tree farmers, especially for like Christmas trees, they have to make sure they're always making a lot. So where do you guys get your trees right now? All, all the wood that we get is uh, basically in North America. And I say North America because we pull uh, from Ontario, Quebec, uh, and uh, the more northern states, uh, Indiana, New York, because a lot of the wood that we use is, is uh, white ash. And uh, ash is a little bit problematic in the way for growth because um, they're trying to cut them down as fast as they can because there's a pandemic with a uh, emerald boar beetle that has infested oh. us from somewhere. I don't know where it came. And it's just killing the, uh, killing the forest. And so... They're trying to, uh, in some areas, trying to cut them down as fast as we can. So in a way, we're helping out. But as that uh, species uh, uh, diminishes, but 
right now, there doesn't seem to be a, an issue for it. But when it does get to a certain limit, then we'll have to uh, look at an alternative, which red oak is another alternative. Uh, maple doesn't seem to be a problem. Birch doesn't seem to be a problem. Uh, there's right. plenty of it. There's plenty of it here. Yeah, and you're getting it from people, and they're also, re I assume you're getting it from farmers, and they're making sure that they're replanting as well just to make sure there's a there's an adequate supply because obviously no one wants all the trees to be cut down because then, you know, there's going to be a lot of issues with that. So it's nice that you guys are, are doing that to make sure that there's still a good population, that you're still getting it to run your business, but we're not basically destroying all the trees just to do it, right, which is which is great to hear. So, yeah. so what are your plans for the next, uh, I guess, five years? Because you guys have been doing this for a while. I think you got, how many locations do you guys have? You have one big location right now? We've got one. Expands? Yeah, we have one location here in New Brunswick. And uh, like, uh, you know, I mentioned a while ago, this is uh, uh, a new technology in an old mature market, but it's finally starting to take traction. Um, and my indications of traction are, is that there's two operators in Canada. There's five or six of them in the United States. And now we're starting to see the European companies coming to our country. Uh, they're coming to Canada. They're coming to the U.S. They're showing up in North America uh, through distribution. Uh, there's a number of them that are buying their wood here. They ship it all the way over to Europe and ship it back. And really? which is uh, interesting because, you know, you got to think about carbon footprint, too, at the same time. And mm. but seeing them coming in demonstrates and shows to me that the market is now ready to accept this uh this technology and yeah. starting to uh to grow so that for us uh allows us to really focus in and on uh, on the future and i'm a bit of a dreamer too so i'm always putting things in place and looking at where we're going so one of the things and we've been working on this now for about uh oh eight months is uh, partners with uh, a group out in British Columbia that were very interested in this technology, wanted to install uh, a kiln out there, but did not want to be kind of caught in a, a conundrum of not knowing how to operate it. Because um, the biggest and most important uh, uh, aspect of operating one of these ovens is the knowledge of operating it because it's like a big oven, but it doesn't come with a Betty Crocker cookbook. So you got to figure it out. Each species has its own recipe on how it needs to be dried and, and processed through. And so you got to learn by trial and error. And we've gone through all of that, which is very, very costly. It adds on to the cost of, of uh, as we talked about a while ago, developing products, just the treatment part had a, a very high cost associated to it. You know, trial and error. You try this thing, you try a species, and uh, we've got to put tractor trailer loads of wood in our kiln at the same time. So, you know, they're very, very high risk. And this company didn't want to do that. So they reached out to us and asked us if we were interested in partnering with them and bringing our expertise, bringing our marketing to the uh, expertise and our knowledge of the market uh, to the table and to participate with them in this, uh, for us, it would be an expansion for them also in their uh, existing business. So right now we're going through all the uh, uh, the financial parts of this and uh, putting
putting all the numbers together and crunching those to make sure that there's a return on their investment. And so that's one growth. The other part is too, is that, you know, I mentioned that we do hardwoods. This technology was created and developed for softwood production. And so in Europe, that's what they do. It's, it's 99% softwood. We do 99% hardwoods. And so we're one of the leading experts in the world in the different uh, species that we can uh, treat. We've treated over 200 of them. And so, but out West, the focus will be on softwoods. And so be a different, uh, a different market that we're going to go reach. But in ours, we've managed to infiltrate in some very, very niche uh, markets, and, but it's growing. So we're going to look at somewhere along the line to add on another kiln to what we're doing. Wow. And, and uh, wow, that's, it's really great to hear all that. So I think, yeah, you're, you're definitely growing and you're growing outside of Canada as well. Like you said, you're touching the U.S. and you have Europeans, European countries coming, wanting to work with you guys as well and becoming strategic partners is really good. So, you know, that's all the good stuff, man. So let's talk about, I guess, some of the things that most, some businesses forget is expenses. You know, I'm like, you said you talked about, you touched on there. So what has been your biggest, biggest expense so far uh, running your company? Well, the largest expense we have is buying the raw material. Uh, it's the wood, right? Oh, my God. Through COVID, uh, we're very, very fortunate, though, that through COVID, a lot of people seen construction materials just go straight through the roof, uh, you know, and, and uh, quadrupling in, in costs and that kind of stuff. I remember that. I had I had a previous guest who was like a general contractor and she's saying like the cost of wood was really high. And this is, uh, I think, uh, last year, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, yeah, continue. So for us, hardwoods climbed a bit, but did not climb as much as the softwoods did. And so that was uh, was a godsend in a way because it allowed a lot of the the uh, the inferior products because we've got a very high, niche product. Like it's, it's not something that... Uh, uh, that's cheap. It is an expensive product that we have, but there wasn't a whole pile of variability in our costs as we went through uh, COVID. And so people were looking at what they had and there, the advantage was is that they look at, well, this is what I was could get with this softwood product that doesn't look as good as this, but the pricing is really close now. So they turned to uh, to us to be able to uh, to purchase because we our prices never even raised through uh, uh, through COVID. Now, other expenses now that are uh, uh, starting to come down, but transportation was uh, was a key. And, and I was going to say, yeah, yeah. transportation, because shipping stuff anywhere, whether it's just regular products or raw materials, like it seems like, and that's something that you, you can't really control unless you literally have your own your own trucks, yeah. right? I know for some yeah. other businesses that are like at-home businesses that try to sell like physical products, I used to sell a detailing product before for cleaning cars and just like a 16-ounce bottle Let's say if I sold it for let's say fifteen dollars, the cost of shipping was like the double is like the same thing. So it's like you're paying thirty dollars for a fifteen dollar bottle being shipped over, and, and you couldn't you didn't even have much leverage with some of these uh, shippers. Oh no no no, you're absolutely right. And so you're at the mercy of the of the shipping, and uh, you know you've got to get somebody searching to try to find you know they're, they're not all the same, they're not all equal. So there's a big search engine that has to be put into place, and that's where my Son comes into place because he takes care of all those logistics and 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 has a whole pile of contacts and is able to to figure out where the uh, uh, the cheapest transportation costs are going to be because it'll kill you. Yeah, yeah. Because like you said, it's 
it's tough to be a shipper too because i mean cost of fuel and all that sort of stuff i know here in canada we have the carbon tax so almost everything is going up for you're being taxed on a lot of different things including fuel so it's really tough for even some like smaller companies having to pay the same price right yeah. so yeah. it's interesting so let, let's let's talk a little bit about the industry here so like what is your current opinion of the wood manufacturing industry and where do you think the direction that's headed well i think that uh wood is a is a renewable resource and you're seeing a lot more wood come in back into the uh uh into the marketplace whereas a one time you know people went with plastics and and stuff you know vinyl siding and all all those things and there's starting to be a real uh, wave of consciousness around those products and realizing that some of these products cannot be uh, reused. They end up in landfill, and we've got too much of that to, to, uh, to start with. So the wood industry um, and where we're going is that I see more and more architects now looking at siding, uh, wood siding rather than metal sidings or plastic sidings and that kind of stuff, because at the end of its life, it can be reused for something else. And yeah. so there's there's that consciousness that's starting to uh, to appear. In through in the last uh, the last little while, I've got connected to um, groups of people that are starting to recycle wood and putting refurbishing them back into. Uh, to different things. And I thought at one time when uh, uh, we were talking about recycling that that was kind of left to, you know, all the trees that come down because of a storm and that kind of stuff. And people are repurposing those trees rather than send them to, uh, to landfill. But the more we dig into it, that's one part. But the other part is, is that there's a lot of, uh, of old homes and old buildings that are now being torn apart and, and uh, the woods being, uh, recycled back in i was talking to uh, uh this organization about a month and a half ago and they've uh these are tech guys right? and what they've done is created robots to remove nails out of old boards and stuff and wow. they're not even in the whipping business and so <laughs> it's interesting on how that whole market is starting to open up and how architects are looking at wood now in a different way yeah, well, I find it interesting, too, because how many YouTube videos have you seen people saying, hey, how can you repurpose old pallets and make money on it or, or anything like that? Now, I'm not very handy with that stuff because I thought about it, but I'm like, yeah, I think I went through my handyman phase 20 years ago, so I don't want to pull that into that thing. Maybe maybe when I retire, when I can get into woodworking again, because, you know, I'm more of like a 10,000 foot level. So that measure twice, cut once thing, I'm like, measure maybe, cut often. And that's why I waste a lot of material. So that's why I don't really try to do that stuff. So last question on this one here. So what is like the biggest misconception people have about your industry, right? So you say you're in like wood manufacturing and wood treatment. Is there anything that uh, people might have that'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Or I thought you guys, don't you guys do this, that, and the other? Like, is there any misconceptions you hear? Well, um, I guess that, that, uh, uh, Misconception might be the, the, the wrong word, but I'll, we'll go down that track for a second. Is that back in the beginning, uh, we started in 2008, uh, along with everybody else. Everybody started at the same time. And so, again, coming into an old mature market, you know, there's skepticism as uh, saying that, well, what do you mean it's, it's structurally stable? 
What do you mean it's not? It's a resistant to rot. How can you tell me that you can give a 25-year guarantee against rot when it, you're just starting? And yeah, you, you, you may not be here in 25 years, yeah, right? Exactly. So then you got to use uh, stories from Europe and, and explain things as, as you go through. But the other thing that happened, because everybody started in 2008, uh, this is really has got a big, high level of operator knowledge. And so there's a number of different operators out there. There's a number of different technologies out there. And so the knowledge of the operator is key. It's like your grandmother and your mother had their own recipes, right? And you like mom's cooking and you like grandma's cooking, but nobody else could do it that way. And yes. so who's the cook? And that has an impact on the, the, uh, on the product. And during that beginning, there's a couple of operations, one in the United States, one in Canada, that they took, uh, they cut corners because it was very expensive process. And because everything was falling apart around them in the economy, it was try to find ways of, of, uh, of cutting costs. And there are ways of cutting costs. It's easy to do. But the minute that you do that, then you have an impact on, on the quality of the product. And one of them, what they did is that they had a big contract with Home Depot. They overpromised, underdelivered. Home Depot crushed them and then put the word out that thermal modification was no good. So misconception was is that now all of a sudden you've got these large organizations that painted a brush on this industry. And it's how do you get over the top of that? And so right. we've spent years I out there educating like I've been educating since uh, uh, 2009, and wow, not you don't have a choice. So you got to explain that. You got to explain the technology. You got to explain to people what it's all about, and somehow show them that you are uh, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And so yeah. that's built up in a couple of different ways. And, and we've done that on a lot of our marketing too. All right. And that is the end of part one with our interview with Bob from Thermalwood Canada. So it's been a great conversation so far. So I'm looking forward to you guys listening to next week's episode. So uh, with that, have a great rest of the day. Hey, you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.